What I see emerging right now is a strong sense of needing to know who they are in Christ as God's female creation. Genesis 2.18, that God created female. We've always needed to know who we are in Christ. That's always an issue. But it seems to be bubbling up more now. And I feel really strongly that the older women, such as myself, need to either stay in the game or get back in the game. Are you tired of the dieting roller coaster? After years of fasting and losing weight and gaining it back and eating the right thing and then being tempted by the wrong thing, have the empty promises made by the dieting industry left you feeling alone and frustrated? Well, my guest today, Laura Acuna, understands. She understands the dieting roller coaster. She lived the cycle of shame and defeat for almost 50 years until the Lord set her free. Hi, I'm Carol McLeod, and welcome to the Significant Women Podcast. On this podcast, you will hear the stories of real-life women who have gone through incredible things, but have come out on the other side trusting, praising, and loving the Lord. And many of these women have the wisdom that you need for today. I know you're going to love my conversation with Laura Acuna. Well, I am here with a new friend today, Laura Acuna, and we've sort of known each other um, through the internet a little bit. We've just known each other that way. And Laura, I couldn't wait to meet you and talk to you today because I think that you and I have one of the same challenges in life. And so let's just get the elephant out of the room and talk about it. Our weight. Laura, (laughs) come on, help a sister out here. What should I be doing? Help me. Something new. Something new. So do you struggle with your weight like I do? Yes. And yes, I do. But I've learned to hand over a lot of the craziness to the Lord and to get off the crazy train of dieting, losing, gaining, losing, gaining, and um, found a new way. And so that's what I'm sharing with women now. So you're going to help us with that today. Promise? Promise. Okay, good, good. Well, then I want everybody to stay listening because that's what we're going to be talking about today. Laura has found a new way to help us just not physically cope with our weight, but also mentally, emotionally, and spiritually cope with that huge word, weight. Um, But Laura, I want to know about you. I want to know about your life, your story. When did you meet Jesus? Just just tell us a little bit about the woman that Laura Acuna is today. Well, I've known the Lord my whole life. I was raised um, in the Lutheran church, which I loved growing up in with all the German tradition and Martin Luther and uh, the hymns, the great hymns of the church. I love the liturgy. I loved it all from the time I was a very little girl. And then as time went on, um, you know, I moved away from that. Uh, I started going to Young Life in high school. And then in college, I stayed with Young Life and moved on to the Navigators, where I learned how to study the Word of God and met my husband. We joined a church and we just kept going ever since. Um, But I, I really don't have a pivotal moment where suddenly I believed in Jesus. I really always have. Didn't always follow him like I should. And I didn't really know him like I know him now, but I've always loved him and I've always wanted to serve him my whole life long. Mm. 
So how long have you and your husband been married, Laura? We will be married 40 years this November. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. And, and do you have a family? Do you have children together? We do. We have three grown sons. One is married. Our oldest is married. And he gave us our first granddaughter, a little girl, two years ago last Monday. And we're expecting another one in February. So we're so excited. Aren't grandchildren like just the best? It's the best. It's the best. And also after having three sons to have a little girl. Right. My husband is smitten. I mean, he's (laughs) over the top. (laughs) I am too, but he he really is. He really oh. is. That's been wonderful. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, I'm happy for you. So my husband and I have five children and we have 10 grandchildren. Wow. And I'm like you, I just could eat these little people up. I just love them so much. Yes, um, me too. Me too. Yeah, so that's great. Where do you live, Laura? Tell us where you live. I live um, in Damascus, Maryland, which is between Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. I've lived in this area my whole life, never moved away too far. I'm about, right now, I'm about an hour away from where I grew up. It's a somewhat rural community, somewhat with um, access to everything, of course, with the cities nearby and other other cities as well. Um, I love living here. It's been a wonderful place to raise my kids. Oh, that's great. So, Laura, you've always had a heart for women's ministry. Is that true? It is. I've been a women's ministry leader for 23 years in one capacity or another. And I've been speaking for 12 years. And I have been a blogger for nine months. (laughs) (laughs) And um, uh, anyway, yeah, I've I've just I love I love women. I love serving women. I um, I've loved every minute of it, every minute of it, really and truly. What do you see, Laura, is the um, greatest need in the lives of women today? And we're basically talking church women, um, women who know who Jesus is, who determined on some level to follow him. What, What do you think one of the great needs is in that population? So, you know, because you travel around and speak as well and meet women from all over the country, um, what I see emerging right now is a strong sense of needing to know who they are in Christ as God's female creation. And I feel compelled really in what, in any message I give, whatever the topic is that I need to somehow put in there, um, Genesis 2, 18, mm-hmm. that God created female and he calls her Ezer or Azer, depending on how you pronounce it, right. rescuing strong power. Yes. And that we have a, we have a unique place on this earth to, to be female in, to, to use our female giftedness and shore that up. Um, when I speak, most women, when they come to me on the side are talking to me about that very subject or about their daughters, the school system, the whole thing, the whole thing. So I feel women have, we've always needed to know who we are in Christ. That's always an issue, but it seems to be bubbling up more now. And I feel really strongly that the older women such as myself need to either stay in the game or get back in the game because wow. who's going to teach them if we don't. Right. Who is going to No, no one. Right. And they need us right now. Mm-hmm. So um, you and I are on the same page, Laura. Um, and you referenced Genesis two eighteen that he created them male and female. He, he created us 
gloriously different. We are not the same. Um, we're both created in the image of God. That's our likeness. Uh, but other than that, male and female were created for two unique purposes um, attached to our gender. Let's let's face yes. it. So yes. Laura, because you've been in women's ministry, as have I, that's our passion, our heartbeat. Let's talk for a minute about this. What are some of the things that you believe have been assigned to women in a very unique way by their creator? Like, what do we bring to the table that's different than our male counterpart? Oh, so much. So much. Um, First of all, we have, we really are rescuing strong powers. Now, our strength comes from him. We're not strong in our own right. Our strength comes from him. But we care about people. We care for justice. We want people to be okay. We want, um, we, we're life givers, not just in the physical sense, but we're life givers in the emotional, mental, and spiritual sense. We have a softness to us that this world needs. I have a part in my book where I talk about as a young woman, is I worked in the school system for 38 years. I'm retired now. But I remember early on when I had to deal with a male principal, the older teachers would say to me, now, listen, don't go in there and act like a girl. You go in there. They want you to be like them. So keep it short. Keep it simple. Leave the emotion out. Get in and get out of that office. And I disagree with that now. Because not that we should go and cry all over everybody and act like a fool, but we need to bring our feminine self wherever we go. Yeah. Because it's needed. It's needed. We have a different perspective. Yeah, I love that, Laura. That is so powerful. You know, I have like about 20 more book ideas just that simmer inside of me all the time. And and one of them is a book about what the unique like who are we? What do we do? We're creators. We're life givers. We're we're nurturers. We're compassionate. Um, we we bring we make everything more beautiful when we walk into a room. Absolutely. And and I think about all those things that are unique to the gender of women, and I love it. I love it. And we need to be that person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well Laura. You have written a new book, which I have read from cover to cover because I'm always on the lookout for um, a book that covers this topic in a healthy, holy way. And so the, the, the title of your new book is Still Becoming. This is the subtitle, Hope, Help, and Healing for the Diet Weary Soul. I just want to raise both hands and both feet, Okay. <laughs> Because because that is me, and of course that is most of the women of our generation. Um, we've tried it all. We've tried Atkins and Weight Watchers and shakes, and we we've tried it all. And it's I I feel like I ricochet, Laura. Um, so let's let's look at the title. Still becoming. Like, what does it mean? Why why did you oh. land on this title for the book? Because that's the Christian life. We're always still becoming. We will never fully be there. It's the churchy word sanctification. As we go through life we and we apply God's word to our life for growth and change, as we actually do what it says, and of course we do that in community, we are becoming more like Jesus, but we are also becoming more, more like our true selves because our true self gets buried along the way. 
And women are longing to be their true selves. Some, some don't even know who that is. But she has an unsettled feeling that there's someone inside that needs to get out. And usually around the age of 50, I'm, I'm noticing now as I've moved around with this book, uh, women start panicking. Like, wait a minute. Am I, am I never going to be me? What does that even look like? And so to me, that's what still becoming means, that, that we're, we're, we're moving forward with God, but there's so much grace in that. It's imperfect. It's a journey. It's a process. And during that time, the reason God puts us through a process, I believe, is so that we, we learn to trust him and we learn to know him and love him more. Yeah, Laura, I've often thought that part of abundant life is the becoming. It's the process. It's the journey of reflecting the character and nature of God. Well, we'll get back to Laura's story in just a minute, but I always like to take the time to share with you a resource or something that's going on behind the scenes in the ministry. And today I want to share with you a resource that means so much to me. A few years ago, we did research on what secular sources were saying that women wrestled with today. We went to Harvard, AMA, Huffington Post, and do you know they all agreed? The top four challenges for women in this early part of the 21st century are purpose, identity, stress, and loneliness. Maybe you understand one of those challenges. And so I wrote a book titled Significant, and it's a biblical response to those four issues in life. I have found that this is a wonderful book to do in a Bible study, in a group, in a book club. We even have young women who are doing it on college campuses. So if you'd like to learn more about destiny, purpose, stress, or loneliness, Significant is the book for you. You can buy it on Amazon at our website, carolmccloudministries.com, or really wherever books are sold. But now let's get back to my conversation with Laura Acuna. So, you know, Laura, whenever I write a book, um, years ago, um, a writing coach told me this. When you sit down to write a book, Picture the people you're writing to. Think of your audience and have that picture in your mind as you write. So I always do. You know, if I'm writing to postmenopausal women, I think of one of my friends. If I'm writing to a young mom, I'm picturing one of my daughters. But who did you write this book for? Who is your target audience? My target audience is generally a woman I want to say 50 and over. That's kind of been my my mindset as I've written the book. However, I do know that the book has impacted women younger than that. So any woman who's been on the dieting roller coaster, who who has just gotten to the point where she's like, I cannot, I cannot do this again. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather stay the way I am yeah. and put myself through that again. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, being afraid because it feels like giving up. And so I found that you don't have to give up to get off mm. the crazy train. Mm. So my, my ideal reader is someone who's just exasperated with, um, with the dieting mindset, the dieting industry. Maybe she doesn't even fully understand that yet, but she knows she just cannot do this anymore. And then peppered in there is also aging and beauty and, you know, accepting our bodies and 
learning what the Bible says about us and Mm -hmm. um, getting, again, our identity straight Mm -hmm. as, as daughters of God. You know, I, I read the book a couple months ago, Laura, when it, when it first came in and at the time I was preparing to go to my 50th class reunion. Oh boy. And you know what that does to you, the, the game that it plays with you mentally and emotionally, because I do look different than I did 50 years ago. And I was so glad that that book landed in my lap during those months because, yeah, I did lose a few pounds, Laura. I, I lost a few pounds, but I didn't go crazy. And I did it with a healthy mindset. So you said that you wrote the book maybe to those 15 over, but let me tell you something, Laura, when I was reading your book and highlighting and underlining and, and all of that, I was reading quotes to my daughters in their late twenties and early thirties. And one day I read a quote to my granddaughter who's 15 and a ballerina, and she's concerned about body image. So yes, I get it that your book is written to those of us who've hit the half century mark. But there's juice in there for other generations as well. And I applaud you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I would love to save younger women from what I went through right. as a young girl. Mm-hmm. Very much so. So um, one of the main themes in your book is this theme that you call disordered eating. But you've, of course, attached that adjective disordered to a few other components of the book as well. So first, talk to us about disordered eating, and then talk about the other areas of our life that are also disordered. Right. So I say in the book that disordered eating, I'm sorry, disordered thinking leads to disordered eating. And I define disordered eating as any way that we play games with food. Mm. So for instance, you know, not just counting calories and and points and um, exchanges and all that stuff. I'm talking about rules. You know, I will only eat my food on a small plate. Oh. I will, I will um, only eat potato chips on Sunday and I'll only have 10, you know, that kind of thing. Anytime we play games with food and use it in a way that it wasn't intended to, because you can be wrapped around the axle about food and be skinny. You, yeah. you don't have to have a weight problem. Yeah. You, I, I mean, you just don't. If you are managing your food and it's taking up your brain space, you that's disordered eating. Got it, it keeps us from thinking about the things God really wants us to think about. Wow. And it keeps us trapped. So it isn't just dieting. It's also giving up whole food groups for no good reason. I mean, sometimes doctors and medical people will suggest things that we need to do. And we should do them if we feel, I mean, we make our own decisions, but we can take guidance and it's a free country. We can, we have the freedom to decide, but dieting gives you that black and white thinking where you, you hand over your autonomy to an industry that's invested in you gaining the weight back. So wow. we want to take our autonomy back and yeah, there's nothing wrong with losing weight for your 50th high school reunion. That's not Thank a no, no. That's you. wonderful. <laughs> right? No, I mean, it's wonderful. Uh-huh. So again, I, sometimes I've noticed that women in the dieting mindset, when they first read my book, they start trying to make my book legalistic. And so all through the book, I'm saying, grace, grace, you know, you do you, but let's get off this crazy train for 31 days and see what happens. Let's see what happens, what God does when we're not preoccupied with food all the time. 
Okay. So I understand the disordered thinking now, Laura, the, the small plate, the 10 potato chips, the I'll never eat another Snickers bar again as long as I live. Okay. That's disordered. But what now coach us into a healthy way of thinking about food. What would be ordered eating in a healthy way? Okay. Again, because I can speak for myself. Okay. It's not a rule for everyone. Okay. And it's not even a rule for me. It's a guide. I, I consider it a guideline. Um, I eat three square meals a day and I stop when I'm full and I'll eat a snack if I need to. If I want to have the ice cream on my granddaughter's birthday last Monday, I'm going to have it. And I'm not going to penalize myself tomorrow because I ate cake today or ice cream today. I move on. Now, part of this was learning how to reconnect to my body. This book, it reflects several years of intense therapy I received for disordered eating, grief, and trauma. And so most of what I learned came from that experience. And in fact, I dedicate my book to my therapist because I learned things I didn't even know I needed to learn. And one of the first things after we dealt with grief and trauma was my body. Mm -hmm. Laura, she would say, if I'd express an emotion that was intense, where do you feel that in your body? Mm. I had no clue. I'd sit there and I had no clue. But after we did that a a lot, I could easily then say, I think I feel that in my core. I feel that in my shoulders. I feel that in my legs. And I wondered why she was doing this with me. But I I did it because I trusted her and I wanted to get well. And I realized as time went on that it was so that I could listen to my body and respond to what it's telling me. So the next question was, what is hungry? And I did not know. I said it was when my stomach was burning and growling and I couldn't stand it anymore. And she said, no, Laura, that is starving. Hungry is when you first say, hmm, I probably should eat something. That's when you eat. Mm -hmm. You don't wait till you're starving. Mm -hmm. But to me, starving was a good feeling. It was the best feeling because that meant I was losing weight. So I had to learn how to be comfortable with a humming along body that was satiated all day long. And that's what three square meals and two snacks do for me. That's what they do. So I don't count calories. I don't um, uh, worry about exchanges or things like that. But now I'm so in tuned that I can say, I feel like I need protein this morning. Yeah, I think I'm going to have an egg. And then if I do, you know, so yeah. it's, it's, it's all about being in, in tune to your body. Some would call that intuitive eating. I have not been through that kind of a program, but it's, I, I imagine it's the same thing where we eat, we get so in tuned with our bodies and we learn to trust them and not work against them. When you hate something as much as I hated my body, you didn't want to hear what it had to say. You didn't care what it said. So now being more in tune, I can respond to it kindly and gracefully. Now that doesn't mean that if I've been on a vacation which I did, I went to California a couple of weeks ago with my husband's Mexican family. Let me tell you something, we ate some food. It was delicious. <laughs> but I did get full and stop. And I did eat as wisely as I could. But then when I got home, I'm like, I'm going back to my three squares and two snacks. Mm. But it wasn't legalistic. It was what was kind for me. Well, if you've been encouraged by today's episode, could I trouble you for just one minute of your time? Would you go to iTunes and rank this episode and tell 
why it encouraged you, just a word or two of review helps us so much. And also, while you're at it, you might want to go to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch Bible studies, teachings, testimonies, anything that might encourage you today. And as always, don't forget, we have a mobile app. That's right. Just go to the App Store on your smartphone and download carolmccloudministries.com. It's free. Um, You can connect with Laura, and I certainly hope you do, on social media and at her website, which is laura-acuna.com. You spell her last name A-C-U-N-A. So that's laura-acuna.com. You know, I hope that you'll get a copy of Laura's book, Still Becoming, and consider grabbing a copy for a friend. Laura's book, again, is available on her website, on Amazon, or wherever books are sold. You know, I always like to just end with a a word of scripture, because that's the eternal encouragement that we all need. Honestly, my words are going to pass away. Laura's words are going to pass away, but the word of the Lord remains forever. So my scripture verse for you today is this one. It's one of my favorites. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God prepared things for you to do, a life for you to embrace long before you were ever born. When God looks at you, he sees you as his crowning achievement. You, my friend, are God's masterpiece. I'll see you next time on the Significant Women Podcast.